Hey everyone, good afternoon. It is July 26th, just before 4 p.m. here in Northern California. This is, of course, our 13th episode of the News Roundup podcast. This will be from the 5th of this month till yesterday, the 25th, so about the span of three weeks. Um, I'm sorry, you know, of course, I, I want to keep this thing more consistent. Typically, I want to do, uh, I want to do this weekly, but, you know, uh, family events, um, stuff like that, you know, um, occupied my time and, you know, life gets in the way sometimes, but, uh, oh, well, again, I apologize. I'll try and make this thing more consistent here in the future. Of course, before we get started, this podcast is sponsored by Mission Essential Gear, your one-stop combat shop, home of the Thules, the tactical handbook for unit leaders available at amygearco.com and Amazon as well. Hope you guys uh, like this podcast. Um, it'll of course be a little bit longer than the other news roundups we do, um, just because, you know, it's in the span of three weeks and it's fairly busy within that, um, time period. So yeah, thank you for all the support you guys give me. I, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm definitely seeing this podcast grow, um, the blog and then the page on Instagram as well. It's, it's awesome. I, I can't tell you guys how much I, I really appreciate it. It's awesome. Of course, you can find this podcast anywhere. I actually had a friend uh, asked me this the other day and it reminded me that I, I really don't bring this up. This You could find this podcast anywhere, right? So I mainly promote Spotify, right? Because that's the, uh, it's the most accessible one to me. But, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, I think the app is called Breaker. I mean, really anywhere you find podcasts, you will find this as well. So no matter what platform you listen on, you will most likely find this on there. So just so you guys are aware. And uh, with that being said, I guess we'll get into it. All right. So, of course, we'll begin with the COVID-19 numbers and news. Uh, A decent amount of news going on, but... Uh, let's start on the 5th. We had 11,270,000 cases, 530,000 deaths, and 6,054,000 recoveries. And by yesterday, the 25th, we had 16,048,000 cases, 644,000 deaths, and 9,262,000 recoveries. And of course, those are global numbers. The EU has approved the use of Rendisivir as a treatment it's, of course, following uh, the U.S. and then India approved uh, usage for that as well after us. Um, so that's awesome. We've been hearing good things about remdesivir. Um, it seems seems to be working out fairly well. So that's awesome that we have the EU approving the use of it as treatment. We need to bring these recoveries up, um, you know, however we can. On the 5th, the Indian government extended the lockdown of the city of Agra for an unknown amount of time. That city encompasses well over 1.5 million residents. So we still got some significant lockdowns uh, coming down the pipe. Next day, on the 6th, the Australian states of Victoria and New South Wales closed their share border due to a surge in cases. Melbourne was placed on lockdown on the same day for six weeks due to a surge in cases as well. And those two states have not closed their shared border since the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918-1919 uh, timeframe. Next day, on the 7th, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro tested positive for uh, COVID-19, and as of current, he is still infected with the virus, and a lot of people in his administration has, have been uh, testing positive as well. On the 9th of July, interim Bolivian President Janine Anes tested positive for the virus as well. 
On the 15th, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt tested positive, and he is the first U.S. governor to do so. On the 18th, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani estimated that as many as 25 million Iranians could have already contracted the virus. He didn't provide a basis for these estimates, but he did urge the public to be vigilant. Tehran is set to impose new restrictions, such as closing coffee shops and indoor swimming pools, and an investigation by the nation's parliament led to the belief that the true death toll, which is around 13,000, could be about twice as high, and that is due to insufficient testing. And uh, that's not good news if that's true, obviously. And yesterday on the 25th, North Korea announced the nation's first probable confirmed case of COVID-19 after Kim Jong-un convened a emergency Politburo meeting. Kim said the person was a defector who left the North three years ago and recently illegally crossed back into the country from South Korea on July 19th. And in that same meeting, a state of emergency was declared by Kim Jong-un and the city of Kaesong was placed on lockdown. So that's not good. It's It's been long speculated that North Korea has had con, uh, confirmed, you know, coronavirus cases and they just haven't said anything. Um, but if this is true, this is a big deal. And Kim Jong-un is um, probably going to do some irrational things um, if this starts spreading for sure. And we'll move on to Africa. On the 5th, regional lawmaker Mohamed Mohamed Syed was abducted and killed by Al-Shabaab militants in the Balad district of Somalia. Al-Shabaab is notorious for targeting government officials. Same day on the 5th, the government of National Accord warned of harsh retaliation in response to a foreign air force attacking the Al-Wataya air base the night before. It is not specified who was behind the bombing, and actually, uh, I didn't get this in my notes in time, but uh, that same airbase was actually bombed again last night uh, by what appear to be MiG-29s. Um, a lot of speculation that it was uh, the Wagner Group, which is, of course, those Russian PMCs, um, but not, no confirmation on that yet. One thing that is important to note, Turkish air defense systems that are deployed to that base either weren't utilized or we're just completely ineffective. Um, so that it's important to note. I I feel like I need to always remind people of this. Turkey is a NATO nation, right? Their military is fairly advanced. If their air defense systems can't stop MiG-29s, that's a big issue. And moving on to the 8th in Burkina Faso, at least 180 bodies were found in mass graves in an area where government forces are currently fighting jihadists. The country's defense minister blames militants while Human Rights Watch blamed government forces. According to Human Rights Watch, excuse me, people they interviewed in nearby villages said that the soldiers rounded up suspected militants, blindfolded them, and executed them. And that... Uh, in the general Sahal region in Africa, that's been an issue because you have these countries that are partnering with NATO countries, um, notably France, to fight jihadists, right? Fight insurgencies, while at the same time government forces are going out and executing people, right? That really seems counterproductive when you're fighting a counterinsurgency. On the 17th, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan denounced Egypt and the UAE for supporting Field Marshal Khalifa Haftar's Libyan National Army. This came after Egyptian President Abdel Fattah 
el-Sisi met with Libyan tribesmen who called for Egypt to intervene in the war. Lawmakers in the country have also called for an intervention. Egypt, the UAE, and Russia all back the LNA, while Turkey backs the GNA. And just a heads up, um, this podcast is, uh, Libya is going to be a big part of this podcast again. Next day on the 18th, Sudan announced that it will take legal action against protesters and journalists who insulted the military during protests in 2019. In April 2019, President Omar al-Bashir was removed by the military, which later ran the country for three months before signing a power-sharing deal with civilians. During the three-month period, security forces killed hundreds of civilians. The army is accused of blocking investigations into those killings, and no further details on potential legal action were given. Moving on to the 20th, going back to Libya, Egypt's parliament authorized the deployment of troops into Libya. It's been long speculated that Egypt could intervene in the conflict. Again, we just talked about this like 20 seconds ago. It will be interesting to see what the next step for the country is, because the president wants to intervene. Um, obviously, Egyptian lawmakers want to intervene. Libyan tribesmen want to intervene. The LNA wants Egypt to intervene. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, it's important to note, again, Egypt is a key U.S. ally in that region. And Turkey is, again, a NATO country. And if Egypt intervenes, that means they could come into contact with either Turkish forces or Turkish proxies in the area. On the 23rd, a French soldier by the name of, I'm, I'm sorry, Tojo Hashina Razafinta Somala was killed in Mali while supporting Operation Barkane. He was killed when his vehicle hit an IED. He was assigned to the 1st Parachute Hussar Regiment, and as part of Operation Barkane, 36 French troops have been killed in combat. Um, so, of course, prayers go out to uh, him and his family, his unit. Um... You know, hopefully they all they all stay safe while they're in deployment in Africa. Next day on the 24th, U.S. AFRICOM released a report detailing Russian military equipment via the Wagner Group, which is being deployed to Libya. Images show uh, Tiger utility trucks. It's a T-I-G-R. It's a Russian, if I had to compare it, it'd be like a Russian Humvee or a MATV. Uh, and MRAPs belonging to the Wagner Group and troops in formation at a local airbase. Other images show Su-24 Fencer fighters and Pantsir Sa-22 air defense vehicles belonging to the Wagner Group and an IL-76 Candid transport plane that is in service with the Russian Aerospace Forces. So, uh, yeah, this is. I think this is a second report that... AFRICOM has released on Russian military equipment in Libya. Um, ugh, yeah, it, it, the whole conflict is just a nightmare, an entire nightmare. And it's it's only going to keep getting more and more confusing. I, I personally feel like Libya is going to be the next Syria. Um, Syria is just a nightmare with how confusing it is. And I think Libya is heading in that direction as well. But we'll move on to the Middle East. On July 5th, Hamas fired two rockets into Israel from the Gaza Strip. The Iron Dome aerial defense system eliminated those rockets, and the Israeli Air Force launched airstrikes on Hamas underground infrastructure in response. Next day on the 6th, unknown gunman in Baghdad killed prominent Iraqi analyst and government advisor Hassan al-Hashimi. 
This type of high-profile killing is pretty rare in Iraq today. Hashimi has gained prominence by writing about the Islamic State, but had since pivoted to the role of Iranian-backed militias in the country after the caliphate was defeated. It's suspected that uh, said militants are behind the attack, considering he received death threats from them right before he was killed. He was well-connected with the Iraqi government. Like I said, he was a government advisor and an analyst, and he was uh, he had a decent relationship with Iraqi Prime Minister Mustafa al-Kadimi as well. So um, I, I will say right now, it's been 20 days since this guy was killed, and it doesn't look like the Iraqi government has done anything meaningful re to respond to his killing, which was, I would bet money that it was perpetrated by Iranian-backed militias. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's a shame. On the 7th of July, the Afghan government said it will continue to release Taliban prisoners, but there is some disagreement between the government and the Taliban out, excuse me, over some 600 prisoners, which the government says uh, pose a national security risk. And, spoiler alert, fighting between uh, the Afghan government and the Taliban is still um, very, very common, so I don't see these peace talks going anywhere, anywhere soon. On July 13th, Taliban fighters, here we go, attacked a government intelligence compound in the city of Abak, killing 10 and injuring dozens more. The attack began with a suicide car bomb and ended with the gunman being killed by security forces. This is, of course, coming at a time of peace negotiations between the Taliban and the Afghan government, which is, of course, backed and assisted by the United States. On the 16th of July, Iraq's National Intelligence Service announced they killed Omar Salal Ubad al-Qatarni, who is ISIS's Baghdad governor, and two of his top staff members in a raid. ISIS cells near Baghdad are still very active and dangerous, however, this should be a big blow to their operations, so that's some good news. On the 21st in Syria, U.S. Army Sergeant Brian Mount was killed in a vehicle rollover when his... Uh, MRAP uh, rolled over while they were driving along on a patrol. Sergeant Mount of St. George, Utah was 25 years old and he was assigned to the 1st Squadron 73rd Cavalry Regiment 82nd Airborne Division and uh, we're of course praying for him and his family as well um, and his unit. Hopefully they have a, a safe rest of their deployment and no one else gets seriously injured or killed. Next day on the 22nd, Turkish troops reached 40 kilometers into Iraqi territory and established 30 temporary military outposts as part of Operation Claw Tiger that I think we spoke on last news roundup. An unnamed Turkish official told Reuters that this is a prelude to an upcoming assault on the Kandil Mountains, which is the PKK's main stronghold in Iraq. Um, worth noting, again, this is a NATO country violating Iraqi territory. I, the Iraqi government has said they aren't okay with this, but at the same time, they haven't done anything to stop it. So, I've, I've heard this argument before that it is hard to argue Iraq is a sovereign nation because they can't do anything to keep 
foreign militaries from violating their territory and that's going to be a big issue if we want iraq to become a strong nation and a partner um in countering a iranian influence and b terrorism so on the 23rd in afghanistan again a taliban assault in the Maraf district kandahar province left 24 taliban fighters and two policemen dead it appears that many of the taliban deaths were actually caused by airstrikes so they opened fire on this uh, police checkpoint that they wanted to take over and uh, airstrikes got called in and just completely obliterated these taliban fighters same day 23rd an iranian airliner that was en route from tehran to beirut was intercepted by two u.s f-15s over Altaf, syria according to a centcom spokesperson the fighters conducted a visual inspection of the airliner at around a thousand meters and then opened the distance once it was confirmed to be a civilian aircraft other reports state that the passengers were injured when the airliner quickly dropped altitude to avoid the F-15s, and they also say that the fighters were much closer than 1,000 meters. Al-Tanf is the last area under control of U.S.-backed rebels in the country, and multiple reports also claim that the new head of the IRGC's Quds Force was on board the aircraft, which could explain the encounter. And yesterday on the 25th, Combined Joint Task Force Operation Inherent Resolve handed over the Besmaya Range Complex, which houses Spanish troops, over to Iraqi security forces. This is the seventh base to be handed back to ISF since the beginning of troop withdrawals. Um, so, yeah, uh, caliphates defeated for the most part. You know, obviously ISIS is still around, but um, it'll be interesting to see as more coalition troops leave the country if ISF can, I mean, really hold their own without our assistance. Of course, it's still a good amount of time before that happens, but transition's got to happen at some point, and it looks like it's already beginning. And we will take a quick break. We'll finish it off with Europe, Asia, and North and South America. All right, and we're back with Europe. On the 8th, Russian state media TASS reported that Turkey recently tested its new S-400 anti-air system on Turkish F-16s. Again, this is a NATO country. For those who don't know, the S-400 is a Russian, a new Russian anti-air defense system, and uh, Turkey's air force is made up mostly of American aircraft, especially when it comes to fighter aircraft. They're still trying to buy F-35s. I don't think it's going to happen because they have these S-400s now. But um, this, this is NATO's second largest military equipping itself with brand new Russian anti-air systems. That's a big deal. Moving on to the 10th in France, two former officers of the nation's foreign intelligence service were sentenced to prison for sharing intelligence secrets with China. One of the men was a station chief in Beijing. He was recalled back to Paris for having an affair with the ambassador's Chinese interpreter. He later retired and moved to China and got married, but was arrested in 2017. 
The other man was also arrested in 2017 in Switzerland with a bag full of cash on hand, and he had just come from an undisclosed island in the Indian Ocean where he met with a Chinese intelligence official to, again, give secrets. Both men were fairly important figures and well-respected within their organization. On the 16th, the UK Court of Appeals ruled that Shamima Begum, a highly publicized, quote, ISIS bride, can return to the UK to fight for her citizenship. Begum is one of the three schoolgirls that left the country in 2015 to travel to Syria and join ISIS. After the defeat of ISIS in Syria, the death of her husband, who was an ISIS fighter, and the birth of her third child, she attempted to return back to the UK. The country's home office revoked her citizenship, however, leaving her in a refugee camp. On the 21st, Greece placed its armed forces on high alert after two Turkish F-16s entered Greek airspace over Strongly and Magisti. Uh, those are two islets right off the coast of Greece. And again, these are two NATO nations. Moving on to Asia. On the 7th, the Indian Air Force increased nighttime combat patrols along the line of actual control with China in response to rumors of the PLA disengaging along the border. It is worth noting that the PLA disengaged from the border briefly before the start of a border war with India in the 1960s, so they fear the same thing could be happening. On the 12th, fighting broke out between the militaries of Armenia and Azerbaijan after an Azeri truck attempted to cross the border in the afternoon. At least that's Armenia's claim. Clashes are still ongoing uh, via small arms fire. Four Armenian and 12 Azeri soldiers have been killed, and those numbers are still correct. This is the heaviest round of fighting between the two countries since 2016, and we put out an article on that when this first started happening. Um, you could check it out. It's got some good info in there. I will say on the 21st, Armenia claimed that an Azeri Special Forces unit crossed the border and attempted to seize the position of the Armenian army. Spokesperson for the Armenian Ministry of Defense said the attack was repelled and Azeri forces took heavy losses. She also claimed that some Azeri troops were actually pinned down in the area and uh, trapped away from the main unit. Azerbaijan has denied all of these claims and no new info has come out since then, so who knows if this actually happened. Um, and again, no word on casualties from that either. On the 14th, Mongolia put five districts and 15 people under a six-day quarantine after a 15-year-old boy died from the bubonic plague. The boy ate a mammoth that he caught while he was hunting. Um, yeah, so there's that. On the 16th, as... Parts of Manila go into lockdown over a surge in COVID-19 cases. Fully armed military vehicles are being brought in to enforce stay-at-home orders. Um, so for all my American listeners out there, which is most of you, let's be thankful that kind of thing does not happen here. On the 23rd, China launched its first unmanned probe to Mars, the uh, Tianwen-1. The probe is expected to reach Mars in February and will land in Utopia, Platania, which is a plane in the planet's northern hemisphere, it will deploy a rover when it lands to explore for 90 days. And, uh, yeah, China's making big moves in the space game. So, I'll keep an eye on that for sure. Next day on the 24th, following the U.S., Australia's mission to the United Nations notified the organization and China that it officially rejects all of China's territorial claims in the South China Sea. It also made clear that it considers these claims a violation of international law. That's a big deal. 
And we'll uh, finish it off here with the Americas. On the 7th, the U.S. formally declared its intent to leave the World Health Organization in 2021. The withdrawal will be effective on July 6th of that year. Also on the 7th, an active shooter situation broke out in the uh, AMCC on Marine Corps Air Ground Combat Center 29 Palms. The incident ended with a self-inflicted gunshot wound by the shooter, and unfortunately he uh, did pass. There, there were no other injuries, so um, he, he didn't harm anyone else. He uh, just shot himself. It's a very, uh, very unfortunate situation, and... Um, yeah, I mean, prayers, prayers go out to him and him and his family for sure. On the 12th, a fire broke out below deck on board the amphibious assault ship USS Bonham Richard, the uh, LHD-6. The ship was ablaze for almost four full days. Multiple local and federal agencies were on site to assist with firefighting efforts. In total, 40 sailors and 23 civilians were injured over the course of the fire. None of those were serious, however, so that's good. According to Rear Admiral Philip Sobeck, which is the commander of Expeditionary Group 3, it's still too early to make excuse me, predictions on the ship's future. It is believed that the fire was caused by welding that was being done in one of the decks while the fire suppression system was off. However, an investigation is still underway, and that's a big deal if that ship doesn't come back. On the 22nd, the Department of Justice announced an expansion of Operation Legend into Chicago and Albuquerque. The operation that was named after Legend uh, Telefero, who was a young boy that was shot and killed in his sleep on the morning of June 29th in Kansas City, was launched in Kansas City on July 8th to assist cities that are plagued by recent spikes in violence. Under the expansion, the FBI, DEA, ATF, and the U.S. Marshals will significantly, significantly excuse me, increase resources in Chicago and Albuquerque. In Chicago, more than 100 investigators from the FBI, DEA, and ATF will join about 100 members of the Marshal Service Great Lakes Task Force to identify wanted gang members, violent fugitives, and firearms violators. Department of Homeland Security's Homeland Security Investigations will also assist in those efforts. In Albuquerque, the DOJ will send 25 investigators to work with local law enforcement to combat violent crime. And uh, DHS will also send 10 agents to assist with that as well. Also on the 22nd, the uh, U.S. Department of State's Transnational Organized Crime Rewards Program offered a $5 million reward for info leading to the arrest of Venezuelan national Mikel Jose Moreno Perez. Moreno Perez is the current chief justice for the Venezuelan Supreme Court, and he is being charged with conspiracy to commit money laundering, excuse me, money laundering in connection with the alleged corrupt receipt or intended receipt of tens of millions of dollars and bribes to illegally fix dozens of civil and criminal cases in Venezuela. And... On the 22nd as well, the Trump administration ordered the Chinese consulate in Houston to close by 4 p.m. on the 24th. U.S. accused China of using the consulate as part of a broader espionage scheme across the country. On that same night, Houston Police Department and Fire Department responded to a fire at the consulate. It appeared that the fire was caused by the burning of documents in the courtyard. 
Chinese officials refused to leave the consulate by the eviction time. Um, at that point, however, men in plain clothes that appear to be with the uh, Department of State's diplomatic security services forced open the back door and Chinese officials eventually did vacate the premises. And on the 23rd, in retaliation, China ordered the U.S. consulate in Chengdu to close again in retaliation. And uh, they actually closed that, I believe, on Friday around, around the same time, I want to say 4 p.m. And that's all we got for you guys this time. So, uh, again, thanks for all the support. I um, really appreciate it. Again, this is this is growing. Podcast is growing. Blog and the page are growing, and it's awesome. I love it. I really appreciate all the support I'm getting from you guys. Again, sorry this one um, didn't really want to do one that uh, took up the span of three weeks. So, hopefully, uh can make this more consistent, more of a weekly thing here in the near future. Um, again, sorry about that, but... Yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week.